What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Levin Black. Levin, happy Thursday. Uh, yes, Thursday. That's really Wednesday for us because we're recording and it's a podcast. Why? Yes. Why do you have to spoil the magic, Levin? Uh, hello. How long have you been doing a podcast with me? Mm-hmm. I'm about truth. If you are new to the show, you get the hot takes mostly from me and the cold truth mostly from the human wet blanket, Levin Black. Before we get started, I want to tell everybody again, please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We always say we love your reviews. If you leave it, we read it. And that brings me to this from DJEI31. Great podcast, five stars. Great set of pods, all with differing opinions. You get Javi and Leo to start your week off right. KP and Akash with the awesome breakdown and analytics. Levin brings the real, like most hardcore fans, be it good or bad. And Michelle is awesome with her hey, hey catchphrase. My favorite is, quote, Matt, a.k.a. Baby Cone, a.k.a. Stats, <laughs> who brings the super hardcore fan perspective and makes me feel like I'm not the only crazy one about my team. Love the work and the dedication to the craft from all and keep up the awesome content. He missed one. He needs to edit that and call you Robbie. <laughs> That's a lot of nicknames. hate Rep Robbie. I do. That is a lot of nicknames. Uh, thank you for the five-star review. Keep it coming. We always appreciate it. We're here for you. Uh, lots to get to on today's show, Levin. There's more Debo stuff. You set off a Twitter firestorm on Wednesday, which I was more than happy to throw gasoline on and did early in the day. I lost two followers. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's like half your total. <laughs> Uh, so we'll get to that. Mike McGlinchey is posting things on social media, I think, in direct response to something that we here at Niners Nation did earlier this week. So we got a lot going on for, for a Wednesday, as you've now ruined it, in April. Uh, yeah, thankfully, because this could have been like complete dead period. This is some of the hardest time to fill because players aren't really doing anything unless you have contract negotiations going on with a key player. <laughs> And lucky us, the 49ers do. Actually, technically two key players, although nobody ever says boo about Bosa's deal. Like, he he could sign any day now, too. I think it's just because generally that's not going to be a negotiation. It's going to be Nick Bosa telling the 49ers how much money he wants and them saying, yes, sir, we'll we'll draw it up right away, sir. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, That would be the nail on the head there that that and he he's. I think it's just a general sense of you have Kyle Shanahan as your head coach. So the wide receiver is more replaceable if the receiver doesn't come to your level. So, okay, let's tell people how you started this Twitter firestorm today. Uh, I'll let you, you thought of this, which I I was glad that you did. So tell people what you did and how you thought of it. I sent a tweet. That's what I did. Okay. Can you, (laughs) why are you the way that you are? (laughs) So no, like everybody's sitting here saying, oh, the Niners, they don't sign player, do extensions until before camp anyways. That's that's what they want to do, blah, blah, blah. And I tweeted out a, pretty much a screenshots of stories where no, they did extend this person well before even the NFL draft. Like just because two players got extended just before camp, and yes, those two players are good comparables, two players don't make the rule. And yeah, some people did not like that because they pointed out that, well, those players were about to be free agents. So it's different. Yeah, it's different, but that doesn't mean it's not relevant. 
You know what I mean? And one of those, as I pointed out, is similar because Jimmy Garoppolo may not have had a year left on his deal, but he was definitely in the 49ers' control because they made no bones about the fact that they wanted to franchise him. And in fact, I went back because I could... I remember there was something Shanahan said specifically saying, yeah, we'll franchise him. And I went and found the quote. This is from in November of that first year when Jimmy is, you know, just starting to play. And he he was asked by our buddy Grant Cohn. Imagine that. Grant actually asked a question that is relevant. Uh, asked if they will consider the franchise tag for Jimmy. And this is the direct quote from Shanahan. I think that's logical. Just being totally honest. When you're making a long-term decision on someone for your organization to pay him the amount of money that you do for quarterbacks, that's a big deal. That's what he said. Well, the amount of money they paid Jimmy is about the amount of money that Debo's wanting. $25 million a year, pretty much. <laughs> right. And he still has a year. So they could have franchised Jimmy and controlled him for another year. They control Debo for another year. It's very similar situations. Guess when Jimmy Garoppolo was extended? February 8th. That was like lightning fast. I remember being like, holy crap, they did this already? Like, there weren't even stories about like, here's what Jimmy wants and the back and forth. It was just done. Right. So there's been five record deals given out by the 49ers in this regime. And by that, I mean, they reset the market for their position. Those five are Kyle Juszczyk. His happened before free agency started in March. Trent Williams, his happened in March, once again. Jimmy Garoppolo, that happened in February, like I said, and they controlled him for a whole another year. You have Robbie Gold, which, yes, that one doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot, but his was done in the middle of the season. Well, it had to be, though. And that, that, was a, yeah. that was because of his contract. It was weird. Right, right. Um, but it was done, I think, in November when he signed it. And then you have the two that didn't happen until before camp. And that would be Kittle and Warner. So of the five, three happened by this point already. And one of them didn't have a deadline because they could have easily franchised Jimmy. And guess what? They would have paid him less with that franchise than they ended up paying him with his extension. <laughs> Jeez. I was trying to get through that. Let me well, <laughs> right in the middle of the pot, I'm leaving that in. No, you're not. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they ended up having to pay him more with his contract and his extension than they could have as a franchise tag quarterback. So there's precedence here that they do make their decisions early. Oh, and by the way, there's one more I haven't mentioned, which I'm assuming you know that one. I did, but now that you're putting me on the spot, it has jumped out of my head. It's the one that didn't stay with the team. Buckner? They tried to work an extension with him. He was a top star-level player. They knew they weren't going to come to an agreement, so they pulled the trigger on trading him prior to the draft. So if you want to talk about players that they controlled for another season, because they had exercised Buckner's fifth-year fifth option, so they controlled him for another year. So if you want to count big-name players that they had to sign to big-time deals or try to, you got four of those, where they had at least one more year of control. Jimmy Garoppolo, DeForest Buckner, George Kittle, and Fred Warner. Half of those happened prior to the draft. Half of them happened in March or earlier. So I don't think that you can sit here and say, well, they prefer 
to wait until before camp. That's only happens half the time. This is what we're saying, and I don't want people to misconstrue it. It's not like we're saying that that there's a huge, you know, rift between Debo and the team and that he's not going to resign or or any of that. All we are saying, at least all I'm saying, is that this idea that like people are acting like the 49ers and Debo have the deal worked out and agreed to already, and they are literally just waiting for July right. to sign the actual paperwork, that's absurd. They they're that's not what it is. They haven't agreed. Right. They disagree right now. They are at odds. And or that there's been like no back and forth. There's just been, oh, here's the first offer. Okay, we'll get back to it in July. Right. Like that that's not what is happening here. And so am I freaking out over it? No, I'm not freaking out over it. But when stuff comes up that raises a red flag, I tell you about it. And that's all I'm doing. And people make it seem like I'm sitting here freaking out about it. No, I'm just saying, hey, this matters. This is significant. You should pay attention to this. And people do not want to hear about it, man. They just want to keep their head in the sand and just think everything is champagne and strawberries. Right. And I I fall in that line, too. Like, I have tweeted out that I still think it's more likely than not Devo gets the extension that they both find agreeable. I think that there's a chance that he gets traded. And I think there's a chance that the 49ers flat refuse to trade him because he's too valuable and they get to camp and Debo's holding out. I don't think that's overly likely because the penalties that now exist for that, but those are the three possibilities. And I think all three at least have some chance of happening. And I would say he's more likely to sign his extension than not, but there is a chance of a trade here that two months ago I would have said is, you know, next to 0% chance. Now I would say that there, there's a decent bit of chance here because it is painfully obvious that the two sides are at odds. And I say that because I tweeted that and people wanted to argue, how do you know they're at odds? You're just assuming. No, I'm not assuming. We know that they have had some talks about contract and we know they haven't agreed. So that means the two sides are not at the same place. That means they're at <laughs> odds. And guess what? They're both playing the media game. Debo scrubbed his Instagram of all 49er stuff. And, you know, as you pointed out to me, there are certain people in the media that are tight to this team that are suddenly putting out slightly negative things about Debo because they're playing that game of PR and trying to get the other side to come down from their demands. And so that means they're at odds. Like there, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. And I'll say the name because I've called him out on Niners Nation before. Matt Mayoko. Matt Mayoko. Look, people, just use your freaking head. He's been a beat writer for the 49ers for almost – 30 years, okay? The 49ers link to Matt Mayoko's articles from the team website. (laughs) Do you think that they are doing that if Mayoko is digging up and airing their dirty laundry and putting things out there that they don't want or that they think hurt the team? No, no. So just use your freaking head. When you hear Matt Mayoko's podcast and he starts trashing Debo Samuel and saying things like he did this week, like, oh, Kyle Shanahan always schemes Debo Samuel open. Debo Samuel can't get away from man coverage. These are the things that Matt Mayoko is saying. Why is he saying them? Because he's playing, like you said, they're playing the media game. The team is using Matt Mayoko to get that narrative out there. It's not difficult. And and stop bringing up that, oh, Mayoko said that Mac Jones was going to be the pick at three. Yeah, guess why? Because the 49ers liked people thinking that Mac Jones was going to be the pick at three. Like yeah, Kyle Shanahan admitted that they liked that. Right. Like it. Oh 
God. And I just, it's frustrating to me that people just, unless you like literally have Debo on video saying, I am at odds with the 49ers. That's the only way that they'll believe it. Nothing else will make them think that despite these ridiculously obvious signs. And it's just crazy to me. And again, none of this means he won't resign. It's very possible he could resign. It's, I think it's probable at this point. I think it's the most likely scenario at this point. Right. But right now, they're frustrated with each other. That's it. That's all we're saying. That's all we want you to acknowledge. Right. And I I find it both, I wouldn't necessarily say go for, so far as frustrating, maybe annoying, but also hilarious. The This common fan stance of, you know, and you can just see it on social media. If somebody posts a photo of a player, you know, working out and they go, oh, he's getting ready for the season. Boom, goes viral. All kinds of retweets. <laughs> everybody's happy. Everybody's engaging. If somebody goes, hey, uh, this guy's not doing very well or anything negative like that, there's like no traction whatsoever. You, you might get a few likes and you are you might get a few comments saying, oh, you're just being negative or you're pushing a narrative or Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it makes me laugh. Like, the amount that people go to avoid reality. <laughs> they only want the good side. They don't want the bad side that gives them a balanced view. You know what I mean? They only want the good news. They don't want to believe that the bad can happen. They are not looking for information. They are looking for affirmation. Right. And it applies to sports and it applies to life. Although I will say, you know, I think that Mayoko's criticisms of Debo are unfair, but you actually have a little bit of a bone to pick with Debo Samuel. Yeah, he's just irked me with the way he's treated this offseason. Part of that is, yes, I wish he would go work out with Trey Lance like everybody else is. Um, but some of that is his social media. He's sending out cryptic tweets, you know, just the eye emojis, not explaining what it is or, you know, uh, I forget exactly what it was after the Diggs contract. It was like, oh, my, basically. Um, but he, he it's very cryptic. He doesn't explain it at all. Of course, it goes viral. Of course, everybody's going, oh, it could mean this, could mean that. And they're you know trying to read between the lines. And then he'll come back after it dies down, say, it wasn't about football. No, go screw yourself. You know exactly what you're doing. You are trolling your own fans, and that irks me. Like, don't troll your own fans. You know who's going to react and who's going to be the most scared by what you mean by that, whether that means your negotiations are really bad and you're or you're about to get traded like some of them thought on some of them. Like, you know what you're doing at this point. Maybe, you know, maybe one time you forgive it because, hey, he didn't realize. But he does it like about once a week right now. And it, <laughs> it just it irks me because to me, it's like you're mistreating the people who root for you and you shouldn't do that. But then, you know, the working out with Lance thing. I got a stance on it, and I'd like your input. My stance is I wish he would go spend a week with Lance, get timing down. It's not necessarily a negative that he doesn't. It's just one of those things that you wish they would do. Well, yeah, I mean, if I'm going to be 100% honest with you, I'm a selfish fan. I want all those guys to be doing literally nothing else this offseason except working out together. Like, no social lives, no nothing. Because I'm a fan, right? All I care about is how they do in the season. But I know that these people are human beings with lives, and they've got their own things going on, and I get that. 
But yeah, if you're asking me if I get to make the call, then hell yeah, I want Debo with the rest of those guys. Um, but like you said, I would like it to happen. Is it a negative? No, it's just not a positive. It's like a neutral thing. Um, but regarding the social media stuff, I do kind of agree with you a little bit in in this. Like Debo has a right to post whatever he wants on social media. But even if he doesn't acknowledge it in the tweets, he has to at least understand how things are going to be taken, especially after you do it once. Once Maybe you didn't know at first, but then once you do it and you see the reaction to it, you've got to have some sort of self-awareness and be like, okay, now I see what's going on here. Like, for example, with one of the other comments he made, whatever one you want to pick, he could put in the initial reaction, hey, this isn't about football. I'm talking about this. But he doesn't do that. Right. There's a character limit and he's using about 15 of them. Right. Like you could end the speculation before it starts and you're choosing not to do that. That's the J.J. Watt special. He was the king of that. Look at me. Look at me. And then when people look at him, he says, hey, why are you looking at me? That drives me nuts. Like you know, like you, you know what you're doing. You're a big boy. And then you can't get mad when people react exactly how you wanted them to react. And so he is kind of doing that a little bit this this uh, offseason. And he's, you know, look, you got to expect what's coming to you in that scenario. People are going to call you out. People are going to speculate. And unless you do something to change it, that's just what happens. Yeah. I mean, at this point, he should know better. And I wouldn't even I don't think it's naive. I think he's doing it deliberately. He wants the attention. He wants his name constantly being brought up. So he's not forgotten about because now obviously we have a filtered view because we're Niner fans, you know, we talk about the Niners, but I don't see the Tennessee fan base and A.J. Brown pushing himself out there constantly, being constantly talked about. I mean, the national media is talking about Debo Samuel right now. Why? Because he's tweeting this stuff. He's getting, he's getting his name out there. He's forcing the issue. He deleted his Instagram of all 49ers-related stuff. You know what I mean? Like, he's doing it, and it works, because now who's getting all the talk in the morning shows? Debo Samuel, who's not getting the talk? AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, you know what I mean? So there's there's a reason he's doing it. It just irks me because it the what it causes is you're emotionally abusing your own fans. Because <laughs> the fans spend 24 hours going, oh my God, what is happening? And oh, by the way, this is a fan base that still has post-traumatic stress because the guy they thought was their cornerstone on the defense for years to come, got surprise traded where nobody even knew he was being shot. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought that up because this is something that Akash mentioned on the Shanna plan yesterday. And it's, it was fascinating to me and I hadn't thought of it. Do you know that one agent, Tory Dandy represents Debo DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, all the big wide receivers that are up for contracts this season. First of all, Tory Dandy's going to have a hell of a year because the uh, commission on those is going to be fantastic. Well, but uh, Akash put the idea forward that maybe the agent wants Debo's deal to get done first because Debo has the weakest resume, so to speak, comparatively to all those guys. So the agent wants Debo's deal to get done first. So that will become the floor for the contracts for DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. What do you think about that? It, it might be possible, but if I'm DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, I'm going, get me my money. I don't care what other people are doing. You know what I mean? They probably have a number in their head already, and they say, give me that number. Whatever happens with Debo is Debo's thing. 
I am shocked that all three of them have kept that agent. Because if if it was me, I'd be saying, I don't want my agent's attention divided right now. Because it's a very interesting situation for the agent. Where does he concentrate most on? Who who does he prioritize? Because they, like you just said, the agent knows, well, if this guy signs first, it might help this guy. But at the same time, in order to get this guy signed first, he has to be concentrating on that guy more than you know, say A.J. Brown with Tennessee. And that could hurt relations with that team. If he's not getting back to him, if he's not truly engaging in the contract negotiations because he's trying to get this other one done first. You know what I mean? It, to me, it, I don't see how it's possible that he's got all three of these. You know what I mean? If I was one of the receivers, I'd be going, I think I'm going to swap agents just because it, I just don't understand how that agent can handle it and be fair to all three. It's a crazy, I mean, weird situations with agents pop up like this all the time. It's sort of a sticky situation. I almost kind of think it, it sort of had to play out the way Akash said. I almost feel like you have to sit down all of them and just say, look, this is the person I'm focusing on first, and it's going to help the other two. That's that's how you can maybe get them to be cool about it. It's like, you'll get more in the long run if I focus on Debo first yeah. because... The the you know the resume. But wouldn't thing. Debo then say, "Well, hold on. If they go first, wouldn't I make more then?" Yeah, but they have a better resume than you do. You know what I mean? But you players aren't exactly logical. They have pretty large va- evaluations of themselves. He's he's the one coming off an All Pro season. So if you're in his shoes, that's how he probably views it. Hey, I'm the one that's coming off the best season. So why don't they go first, and then I can top them? I, look, I what you're you know saying what I mean? makes sense. Maybe my pushback to that would be like, well, Debo, you'll get your money first. That's the only benefit, right? Is like technically you will get your money first. Uh, and I don't know, like again, I don't know how the agent's handling all that, but I thought it was a really interesting aspect to the to the situation that maybe has gone a little overlooked at first. Uh, Tory Dandy, hell of a year for you. <laughs> you're gonna cash in on the wide receiver market, but. Uh, yeah, we'll see what gets done there. So the the Debo contract saga will continue to turn. There was another little drama this week with Niners Nation that popped up, and I feel like we got an answer to it from our old pal Mike McGlinchey, old number 69. Straight we'll tell from you what, the source. We'll tell you what the drama was and what happened when we come back. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin, you tell me if this is logical or if I'm grasping at straws. On Tuesday this week, Leo and Javi were talking about Mike McGlinchey and how the Niners might go tackle at 61 in the draft because we don't know the status of McGlinchey. Is he coming back? You know, it's very <clears throat> keeping that in the show. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> it's a very serious injury that he suffered and not everybody comes back from that. And we saw this picture that McGlinchey tweeted out and he was looking like Joe Staley looks now, which is, you know, kind of slim. Well, Yesterday, Mike McGlinchey himself decided to take to Instagram and tweeted out multiple videos of himself running at the Niners facility, uh, lifting weights. And the last video or the last picture in this post is a shot of the scale. And the scale reads 310 pounds. So Mike McGlinchey just decided randomly on his own, the same week we started talking about his weight here at Niners Nation, to tweet out a picture of a scale. Do you think that was because of us, or do you think it was just pure coincidence? No, I think he wanted to quiet the rumors. 
Uh, I think obviously the team knew the situation, so the team didn't care. They know what where he's at in his recovery. But I mean, I got a couple of things. Yes, it, it's definitely deliberate. I think reaction to okay, let me give the fans some glimpse that hey, I can be counted on. Um, but I also don't put a whole heck of a lot into it. It is encouraging to see, but there's a world of difference between lifting weights, running in a straight line, and having a 300-pound dude hitting you, trying to get past you. It's whether or not he can do that. And the other thing is 310 pounds is pretty light for a guy that's 6'8". <laughs> well, and but this is the reason, again, like people... Uh, Akash was tweeting, oh, 49er fans were freaking about freaking out about Mike McGlinchey's weight. I'm not freaking out, okay? I'm pointing out that when McGlinchey lost a lot of weight in 2020, he sucked. He was mm -hmm. horrible. And then he put it back on, and in 2021, he was playing the best ball of his career. So, like, weight specifically with this player has had a big impact on his performance on the field. So when I see a picture where he looks like all of a sudden he's slimmed down, yeah, I that raises a red flag with me. Again, sorry for pointing that out. I just like we're back on this this track again, but like yeah, it it raised a red flag with me. So am I happy to see the McGlinchies over over 300? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean like it's nice, but him being 310 would be like Joe Staley trying to play at 250 when he's 63. You know what I mean? Like, right. But if he's 310 in April, right. he could be 330 by the time the season starts. And then you feel a lot better. Yeah. Like I said, it's encouraging to see. It just doesn't mean you can count on him yet. And I agree. There's a long way to go still. Right. And I agree with what you said too. Just because he's at 310 or 330 or whatever doesn't automatically mean he's going to come back and be productive and effective. Like, there, there's a huge difference. But again, we, we won't know that until we see it. This is an encouraging sign. It's very, very good. I Look, I really, really want Mike McGlinchey to come back at, and play at the level he did last year because their offensive line needs it. It would really yeah. – it would. how much better would you feel about the offensive line if I told you you could pencil in McGlinchey and he's going to be as good as he was last year, and then you have Aaron Banks supposedly at left guard, and then who knows at center and right guard. But wouldn't you feel 10 times better about the line if you knew that was going to be the case? Yeah, because you don't find plug-and-play rookie tackles in the mid-rounds. At 61. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at 61, it, you could strike Pater still, but do you really want to be wasting your first pick in the entire draft and your only second-round pick on a tackle when you have McGlinchey possibly coming back? Like, no, not really. So it... It's one of those things that you're looking at third, fourth, fifth round pick for a tackle. Well, you're not finding somebody that's going to instantly be a really good starter in those rounds at tackle. You could find a guard or a center, though. Yeah. Well, supposedly you could find a guard that can be great in the second round, too, and that didn't work out. So. <laughs> no, he's going to be fine. Excuse me if I don't put a whole lot of faith in this team finding a guard in the draft just he, yet. He's going to be fine this year. Haven't you heard that it's all he according might be. to plan? I don't rule it out and saying it. It's totally impossible. I just am not sitting here going, oh, I'm confident he's going to be great. Because if he was going to be great, he would have been playing somewhere on the offensive line last year. Um, because he, if, he's, if he can be great at left guard, yes, it's, a, it's not easy to swap, but you would think he could at least be 
better than Brunskill was at right guard. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't have a ton of faith that he's going to be great. So I don't have a ton of faith this team can find a guard. Well, we'll, we'll have to find out. Uh, I think they're going to take a guard in this draft coming up. And the point I want to make about that is these drafts in these next couple of years, like if you want to, if the 49ers are going to sustain this window of maybe not a Super Bowl window, but just being really, really good and having a, a roster in the top handful of the league, they have to nail these drafts. They are critically, critically important. And you and I were talking before we hit record, even just look at the wide receiver situation with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Because Ayuk's deal is going to be up pretty soon, too. And that's another thing that the team is going to ask. You know, I, I think that no single offensive player has been held back more by the quarterback play than Brandon Ayuk. I think he's really, really, really good. We haven't even come close to seeing the best Ayuk that we can. If that's the case and Trey Lance comes in next year and sort of unlocks him, well, then you restart all these conversations we're having about Debo Samuel. Just restart him with Brandon Ayuk. So then it's like, all right, well, what are the Niners going to do? Are they going to have two receivers that are making top of the market deals? Are they going to let Debo go? Are they going to let Ayuk go? What do we do? Well, a lot of that can be worked out if you've got good players on rookie contracts behind them. And that applies not only to the receiver position, it applies to every position. So these picks that they are making are going to be hugely important as to whether or not they can sustain the this high-quality roster that they have. Right. So let Let's just assume, okay, Trey Lance is the real deal. He's going to be needing an extension here in a few years, and that's the scenario. Well, that puts you basically where the Kansas City Chiefs are right now. They're paying their quarterback a ton of money, and that means they have to ship out somebody like Tyreek Hill because they can't really afford to pay him, and that means that their draft now becomes highly important. They need to have basically uh, – the ability to let anybody else walk because they're paying the quarterback so much and have somebody that can plug in. And that quarterback needs to be the difference maker. They can make up the difference, but you need to have the depth there and be planning ahead so that people can plug in and not close your championship window. Cause there have been instances of really, really good quarterbacks coming in, having success early they get their big contract and the team falls apart. You know, obviously I, I wouldn't put this quarterback, you know, up there in the upper echelon of quarterbacks, but look at look at Baltimore. That that's the best most recent example. Joe Flacco got his huge contract, he demanded as much money as he could possibly get, and the team had to ship pretty much everybody else's value out and they fell apart because they didn't draft well enough and Joe Flacco wasn't the difference maker that he was in that damn four game stretch <laughs> <laughs> you know the crazy thing is like that flacco deal is the reason the niners traded like a sixth round pick to get anquan bolden from them right and bolden was great with the 49er because yeah. they had to get rid of him because of that contract so yeah like i'm going to i know that some people for the draft this year like the juice isn't there for them they're not as into it especially after last year which is as much juice as you could possibly have going into a draft well this is massively important like they got a hit on at least I would think two picks of these of the what do they have nine I think uh they got a hit on at least two ideally three well ideally nine but you know what I mean like because they gotta keep the machine going here you gotta keep churning out good young players because you're not gonna be able to sign everybody you're just not like 
You look at some of the the way the cap numbers jump up in the next couple of years. Kittle, Armstead, Trent, they go up, man. They go up a lot. That's got. I know the cap is going to go up too, but the Niners are going to be feeling that. So they got to nail these drafts. That's why I'm really happy that Adam Peters is still here. And that, you know, a lot of the guts of the the people that have built this team are still here because they've had so much success hitting on guys in the later rounds. And that's not even bringing up the possibility that this team trades and trades with first round picks quite often. And they've Mm -hmm. traded back up into the first round uh, in the past with this same regime. So uh, I would not be surprised whatsoever to see this team suddenly jump into the first. I think it's much less likely this year than in the past, just because their first pick isn't until 61 and to go from 61 into the back of the first round, you're going to be trading something of real value to jump that high. Yeah, it's not likely, but I wouldn't be shocked at all. The 49ers in their history. I I went back and looked, I think I've only had like six years where they didn't have a first round pick at all. They've had way more years with multiple first round picks. Right. But, you know, I heard a rumor today that the Panthers are looking to trade down from six and, and move down in the draft. And if the Panthers do that to get more picks, maybe then do they trade some of those picks to get Jimmy Garoppolo? It's who knows what could happen. There's definitely scenarios where the Niners could get back into the first round, but uh, we'll have to see. But I, regardless of whether it's first round or not, they got to nail it, man. They got to keep this going. Otherwise, it's going to be a situation where you end up having to pay in free agency like we talked about, and that's just never a good, sound team-building strategy. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I I keep telling myself this because I don't want to get my hopes up. Uh, You know, obviously, it's more exciting for them to trade into the first round. But when you really look at it, to me, the only way they would do that is if they think there's a surefire year one starter that they need like a position where there's actually an opening that they can go and get. And the thing is, I don't see a position like that, that they would go for I don't think you'd do that for a corner. I don't think you'd do that for a safety because those are much more volatile. In my opinion, they don't pan out. They're much harder to be really good in year one. It's a more difficult position. You know, guys like an edge rusher, if an edge rusher falls, which is quite likely because there's so many really good ones at the top of this draft. Those guys in the mid first might end up being late first, but they're not desperate for an edge rusher. You know what I mean? I just, I I don't see the need at a position that you could feel safe in having a surefire day one starter that would force them to make that move. But I also wouldn't be shocked to see it because the team loves to get into the first round. So we'll see what happens. Uh, We will have live draft coverage for you here at Niners Nation. We're going to do a Twitter space on Thursday. Because the Niners don't have a first-round pick, we'll still be live. It'll just be a Twitter space. We can all react to what's going on with the draft, and we'll have some fun there. And then on Friday, we'll do a live draft show when, you know, because the Niners actually have three picks. So we'll be live with you there, and you can still interact with us just kind of a different way. If for some reason, the 49ers did trade back into the first round on Thursday night. We would shut the Twitter space down and hop on a live stream. And obviously we would react to it in real time, but we are still going to have plenty of draft coverage for you. We'll also have little mini pods on every single player that gets picked. So we will be all over it here. And like we said, this stuff matters. Enjoy your Thursday, everybody. Levin, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. I actually get Friday and Saturday off. Holy sh**. What are you going to do? <laughs> Sleep in. <laughs> <laughs>
Enjoy it, everybody. We'll be here with you, and we'll talk to you next Thursday.